Hi, this is Jason McCarthy at Wickham Wanderers, and you're listening to Wickham Sound. The Wickham Wanderers Show. Good evening, welcome to the latest edition of the Wickham Wanderers Show. If you've been listening in previous weeks, you'll know that Bob's been in America. Well, there was one week where he wasn't in at all, he was in the sky. I was, uh, I was listening on a plane. Yeah, really? Yes, oh, I, yeah, was. You said I did. The, I was listening live on a plane. But as you may be able to tell, he's back with us. Hello! Welcome I'm here, back. in high, downtown High Wickham. <laughs> it's very exciting. As they'd call it if you were in America. Indeed. Almost as good as being in downtown New Orleans. How was your trip? It was really good, thank you. I had a wonderful time. Uh, the weather was lovely. Um, I kept checking in with home and they kept saying how, how horrible the weather was over here. So that, that, you know, that always makes your trip a bit more special as well. And part of it, you paid homage to Louisiana. I did indeed. So I spent three days in Louisiana, which is a lovely bit of the world and I can thoroughly recommend it. Uh, whenever you see those adverts going up at Adams Park saying all about Louisiana, it, it, it's as good as they make it sound. Uh, I had a wonderful time uh, staying in New Orleans uh, and also then uh, taking a trip to uh, Baton Rouge and also St. Francisville. And you caught some sport while you are out there as well? I did see quite a lot of sport, um, despite the fact that the baseball players were on strike, which was one of the reasons for going, which was slightly annoying. But on I did, strike? They were on like strike, a, yes. Like uh, the pitcher? And, no, exactly. No, that's not a baseball term. They were actually genuinely on strike. <laughs> um, and of course, the day that I came back, they've stopped the strike, which was that was very kind. They just didn't want me to see any baseball while I was out there. Um, but I did end up seeing two college baseball games, uh, three basketball games, and four ice hockey games. So, that's so very impressive. Quite, quite a lot of sport while I was out there. Uh, we'll chat more about Bob's trip in a few moments time uh, of course <laughs> with promise it will be about Wickham Wanderers as well <laughs> went to the home of the Kuigs uh, we say we'll hear uh, some of his chat with uh, Rob as well you went to Missy's bookshop as well I did yes the conundrum which has a, a Wickham Wanderers section it does have a Wickham Wanderers section Wickham Wanderers books and Wickham Wanderers t-shirts are on sale at the conundrum in St Francisville if you are ever in Louisiana definitely pop in and say hello we'll reflect against the draw with the league leaders Rotherham we'll look back at Tuesday night's last gasp oh, victory goodness me at uh, home don't leave Adams Park early <laughs> no. uh, against Fleetwood uh, uh, we'll assess the game against Portsmouth as well. We'll hear from manager Gareth Ainsworth. And we'll catch up with former striker Dennis Green, who, amongst other things, will be talking us through the changing length of shorts uh, during his time <laughs> during his time at the club. Which makes him sound like he played for, like, years and years and years. Like, like, sort of, you know, he started in the 1960s when they were really long shorts and then played during the 1980s when they were really short shorts. That was a brilliant period, wasn't it? When they used to do the commentary ahead of the goal. They went, it's a goal! And then you'd yes. see the goal. <laughs> and yeah, then the goal would fly in. And everyone had bowler hats and wore suits. Oh, wonderful, suits against, yes, yeah. They? And if they scored a goal, then they'd all throw their bowler hats up in the air. And look at them now. Yes, I know. Shaven-headed yobs of... <laughs> Where did it go so wrong? So, anyway. To, want to bring drums into the ground and aren't allowed. <laughs> Tell us about your trip. Uh, my trip was wonderful. It it was really, really good. Um, the New Orleans bit being an absolute highlight. Uh, a big, big thank you to the Kuhik family for welcoming me with such welcome arms. It was very, very, very sweet of them. Um, and it was it was just so cool. It was it was great to, to be there um, and just, just sit and chat to Rob. Um, and he's fantastic because he'll talk about anything and he's completely happy for you to, to record it all, you know, because I do say, you know, is there anything, you know, bigger? And as, as you often do um, and have to on radio, you know, is there any don't necessarily want me to talk about particularly when you're sitting in someone's front room you feel like you know that that's only fair it's like no no you know you can ask me anything you want record it all um you know i knew that that there's been quite a lot um on say the facebook groups uh, about the fact that um the season ticket holders who hadn't uh, who had wavered their refunds for last year were sort of promised the party to end all parties and that still hasn't happened so i asked him about that and he was very very forthcoming about that i asked him about the bad run that we'd just been on and whether or not you know do you, uh, uh, do you ever feel like you're slightly thinking 
well, maybe we could get another manager in. And again, he answered really, really honestly, which, which you know, I, I really appreciated. And, and sitting there and looking him in the eye, yeah, you know, I, I do completely believe him. And I do think that if Gareth wants to stay at Wickham Wanderers for the next 20 years, he, he probably can. That's fantastic. And I'm not just saying this because you're here, but um, although I wouldn't probably say it was terrible, but it's a really brilliant insight. I've, I've heard, I've only, I haven't listened to it all, but uh, we'll put it on the whole thing. It's very sort of Louis Theroux-y. It is, it is a bit, yes. <laughs> it's like Bob, Bob it's with the cooing. It's my new career. <laughs> it's a bit like you sort of moved in with them, but they do make you feel very welcome. Some, some interesting things to, to kind of uh, highlight, which I was really... Because it's a nice way to find out about the owners of a football club anyway, isn't it? Yeah, definitely. And to know about how close a family they are, uh, to know that you know they have their own bees and to have their own honey. <laughs> um, and that, that Bob is good at making cups of tea, even yes. though he says that he's not. Um, you know, and, and he does do that. He's very into Inspector Morse. He is very into <laughs> Inspector Missy Morse. Missy likes Downton. Uh, you can find out all of these things, yes, they will be on the podcast. They're not things that we're going to broadcast tonight, um, because, yeah, and that's part of the reason that I wanted you, and it was very kind of you to say that you would edit the interview for me, because I thought, well, if I, if I, uh, I'm just going to think, oh, no, I'll leave all of this in because it's all great, whereas you actually went through it with a Wickham Wanderers sort of like, you know, magnifying glass, and said, well, we'll have that bit, we'll have that bit. Oh, no, we're not going to have the bit about Missy Lighting Downton Abbey, because that's not really relevant. No, but you're very welcome to hear that. It'll be, there'll be a podcast, <laughs> on, on where you yes. get your podcast from, you'll be able to hear the whole thing, and it's Louis Theroux-ness, <laughs> and we'll, we'll give you more chance to hear uh, more of uh, Bob's chat with Rob Kuick next week as well, but a couple of topics uh, that uh, are covered in the chat are including uh, how Rob, how impressed Rob is with uh, the stadium improvements, uh, but first, uh, here's uh, the latest on the Derby County situation. I don't know a heck of a lot more than everybody else who picks up the paper in the morning and wants to see what the administrator's latest pronouncement is. Okay, yeah. I can say that the last time I went over, which was, what, two or three weeks ago, I had a brief conversation for the first time since November with the administrator. They gave us some idea of what they would be prepared to recommend, but they they didn't have any authority because they're not doing anything. And I told them that I would send them back a response, which I did the next day, and that I would look to hear from them. Hello. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so you're still waiting. Yeah. And so is it right that they've now settled with Middlesbrough... That's what they say. Take this the right way. I take everything that happens with that whole situation with a ton of salt. Uh, because I don't know if anybody really knows what's going on. Mm-hmm. I, when, it, when it first happened, let me go back. When we played Middleborough and we beat them on the last day of the yep. season and we ended up one point behind, I told the gaffer that as far as I was concerned, it is was likely we were going to be in the championship, that they had obviously bended the rules, to say it nicely, and that there was a points deduction that should be given immediately. So I wasn't surprised when the league came out with two different schedules because it made sense. Yeah. And, most, and completely unprecedented in, right. in you know in, in my knowledge of football going way back to 1982 when I started right. you know really really studying it well, I don't think that's ever been done before and one of the reasons is is because the difference was so clear so so minute between us the timing was the only issue 
And so the league, in its defense, needed to be prepared. And the judgment of the panel had said, at the latest, Darby needed to file their new financials under the agreed scheme by August the 14th, which was a week or two after the season began. Most rational people knew that they were going to file it and they would immediately be deducted the penalty. So the league wanted to be prepared. I pushed and wanted to be prepared. People forget this. They didn't file them by August the 14th. We could have, I don't know that the league would have agreed, but I suspect they would have switched places as late as August the 14th or even the 21st because what most people don't realize Darby and we had exactly the same record up until August the 21st or thereabouts. And so it would have been no harm, no foul, and off we could have gone. The reason I feel particularly aggrieved for our club is Mel Morris acknowledging that he deliberately didn't want to file him because he knew the moment he did there would be a points deduction. Mm -hmm. So that's what makes ours different than most it's not a question of, well, if the league had done X, Y, or Z, it is that he, following a pattern, he, he deliberately avoided the, his responsibility. It created a 16 million pound loss for us if you go at a minimum over two years. Now, look, we're rational people. You know, you're not going to get 16 million pounds from a deadbeat yeah. company, but there is something to be had there. And, and I can't get into what we've told them, but uh, it's a rational settlement could be had. Or we'll go try the thing. And if we try it, we're going to end up with a very substantial judgment. And that's what people don't understand. Doesn't matter to me if we make sense to settle it. But if we don't, we'll take our chances and off we go. Is there a sense of Derby? Doing that normal thing of thinking it's little Wick and Wanderers, so therefore actually we're we're going to try. It, it was interesting to me that and I know you said you take it with a pinch of salt that they've already said that they've settled with Middlesbrough. Now going back a long, long time before you were getting into football, you know Derby and Middlesbrough are probably old friends from the the old First Division days, and whereas they probably look at Wickham as being this this little club possibly in their words, certainly not mine, that maybe didn't deserve to even be in the championship that season. So why should we give them any money? No question about it. And, and their perception was, you know, they had a known quantity in Steve Gibson and Middleborough. As you say, they've known each other forever. I think they've changed their mind. Uh, I think they did a little research. I am not, you know, I found it amusing missing... A little research about you and your background. (laughs) One weekend, something particularly egregious was said by somebody, and so we had 500 people from Derby emailing us, Twittering us, hoping that for the worst possible outcomes for our health and the like. And you almost had to laugh. Not, I felt sorry for the people, but... Who did they think they were dealing with? Sure. <laughs> oh, my gosh. You know, they've intimidated me. I give up. What people don't understand, I take my responsibility seriously. It's not just for me. 25% of the club's owned by the trust. 
I, I owe it to them. And as my wife will tell you, half of my 75% is owned by her. <laughs> I better take it serious for her. Yeah. They knew that if they fulfilled their obligation, they would be now in League One trying to sell a League One club for 50 million pounds with the likelihood that they're going to get deducted because they would have had the points deduction. Uh, you know what they should have done in my... Look, they did what they needed to do. If it had been me, I would have gone in, I would have thrown myself at the mercy of the EFL, I would have said, pound me for every point you can possibly think of, but do it now, send me down, so that I can go out and sell this club as a clean League One club with a beautiful stadium, with a beautiful manager, and we'll take our chances of going up again. Yeah, yeah. And they would have been back in the championship in all likelihood this year or yeah. next year. Yeah, yeah. Talking then of League One, um, how how is this season going uh, for for Rob Coogie? I enjoy it. Uh, look, being able to get back and be with the fans is huge. I really like what we have done off the pitch. The redo of the training ground has been sensational. I don't know that people understand why we would spend the money we did on it but from my perspective it's where the players and coaches have their office it's where they go to do the 95 percent of their work that that comes across on a sunday or a saturday yeah it, it is their workplace really it I is. Know, we, we think of it as the stadium but actually that's not true it, right it, it's they the spend three hours every two weeks at the stadium yeah. they spend 40 hours a week or 50 hours a week at the training grounds so we wanted it to be nice. And, and look, the trust membership and volunteers have done great. But we've got that. You know, for the first time, they actually have good Wi-Fi uh, without Mr. Musk's help. Uh, <laughs> he says with a certain bitterness. Uh, but uh, they have a new media room. They have enough room for the coaches. We've done, we've, Pete and I were talking about, we have a 50% bigger coaching staff than we did when we came in. We have 50% more trainers and the like than we did when we came in. We have analysts that didn't exist when we came in. We have a squad that's 15 people bigger than it ever was. Uh, so, yeah, and then at the stadium itself, my frustration is, I don't know if people understand how huge the change is and how comparatively good our stadium is to every other stadium, not just not just League One stadiums, but virtually top to bottom with our technology. Not just, yeah, we got a great scoreboard, but half of the League One teams have a great scoreboard. We have the state-of-the-art LED boards that go around. Two or three premier clubs have that same state of the art. So I can't say I'm, we're unique on that. The combination in League One puts us apart. Mm -hmm. We have brand new floodlights, something I never thought would be big, but it's huge. And I give my man Trevor Stroud, he said, we got to have floodlights, okay? You can be in charge. Get us the flood. And if you notice, sometimes after we score, they'll do the little, yeah, that's yeah. Trevor. Oh, definitely, yeah. <laughs> uh, the, the speaker system is truly state-of-the-art, and I blame my brother Kevin for that. Kevin owned a company by the name of Presonus, and you'll see the Presonus. Yeah. Kevin, 
as a gift, gave us $30,000 worth of speakers. And so I told him, thanks a lot. It's ended up costing me a million and a half because those, those speakers weren't what was actually needed for inside the stadium. We had to change out the entire inside so that we now have the best speaker system of a stadium in the UK. And when we did that, we had to change out our CCTV. So we now have state of the... You can look at your face as you're coming down Hill Bottom Road towards the stadium. And you can say, hey, it's well from Wickenstein. That's exactly... This guy's nothing but trouble. <laughs> and, and we can pitch point everybody and we have two sets of, of phone systems and all that. And, and the thing that's most remarkable, and I didn't understand this, is that in the UK, apparently broadband access, Wi-Fi access in stadiums is still relatively spotty. Basically, our ground is one of the very, very few that you can use the Wi-Fi, and that's a huge thing for any football fan. Everybody there can use it at the same yeah. time. As a result, we have had, well, Chelsea came, but I suspect they're not in the market today to buy it. But we've had a half a dozen Premier League clubs come and look at our system. We've had innumerable lower league clubs come and championship league one clubs come and look at it because it's spectacular. But we don't do a good job of, and, and maybe we do a good job of advertising and maybe I miss how I'm, I'm just so impressed with it myself. I want everybody to be impressed with it. Wickham Wanderers Cohen and Chairman Rob Kuig uh, speaking in his, in his natural we, environment. We are, Rob. We are very <laughs> impressed. Every time I go to Adam's Park, I do think it's amazing that the Wi-Fi does work in a football stadium because in so many other stadiums, it doesn't. Speaking to Bob in uh, Louisiana, and obviously fantastic. He's very, very proud of the, of the upgrades which have happened at the ground. Yes. We're very impressed as well with his pronunciation of Middlesbrough and also Premier. <laughs> um, another chance for you to hear more uh, of uh, Bob's chat with Rob uh, on next week's show and also keep an eye out yeah I suppose so or ear yeah, possibly yes. uh, on the Louis, uh, Louis Theroux type the um, f- <laughs> Bob <laughs> Bob visits the Kuhigs yeah yeah it soon might get commissioned into its own TV show <laughs> where I go and visit various football chairmen around the world exactly <laughs> not Newcastle so make sure you don't miss that or still come- no 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 <laughs> No, definitely not there. Uh, still to come on the Wicked Wonder Show this week, we'll hear from manager Gareth Ainsworth and uh, former striker Dennis Green next. Online, on Radio Player and on 106.6 FM, this is Wickham Sound. Still to come on the Wicked Wonder Show, we'll reflect on the draw against league leaders Rotherham. Uh, good result? Yeah, I, th- I think that was a, an OK point. Or certainly, you know, it would have been earlier on in the season. And the game that continued our unbeaten run to four uh, League One games, which puts us a bit more in touching distance of the top six, that last gasp winner uh, against Fleetwood. Yes, and goodness me, had we not won that one, then yeah, I think we would be sitting here slightly saying, well, you know, yeah, yeah, that, that wouldn't have been a great result. But it doesn't matter. And don't leave early because, yes, you know, we, we managed to get one right at the very end to ensure that we did take three points against troubled Fleetwood. But first, I've been speaking to former Wickham Wanderers striker uh, Dennis Green. Uh, I must point out that uh, this was recorded uh, on the same day uh, that Grantham parted company uh, with him as their manager, uh, but that happened after uh, we spoke. Uh, But uh, there's some very humorous moments in our chat, including how he first uh, became a player at the club. I caught wind of it. I was playing for um, Johnson at the time. Uh, I I think... Not vaguely remember, but I was playing in a cup match away. Uh, I think it was 
Grantham or Spalding or someone like that, and we got to a penalty shootout. And while I was waiting, like in line, like with all the players for a penalty shootout, this guy ventures onto the pitch. He must have been a scout of some kind. And he said, uh, "Would you be interested in going to Wickham?" <laughs> and then about a week later, Wickham made contact. Initially, when I was at Chelmsford, that they then got an embargo put on them when Wickham had made a, an approach. And we had to wait three months. I spoke to Martin a couple of times. And once the embargo was lifted, three months later, Martin signed us in February. And I went to Wickham. <laughs> That's quite interesting, isn't it? Because you can't imagine players that happening to players these days. Or perhaps it does. Just someone approaching you on the pitch. Yeah, that's exactly how it was. I can't remember exactly remember what he said, but it was along them lines that basically, because obviously I was under contract at Chelmsford, so it was just seeing whether I'd be interested. I mean, I, I didn't even know where Wickham was at the time. But, um, yeah, obviously Martin O'Neill was the manager. Wickham was looking to do good things, so it was a no-brainer for me. So what were your first impressions when you arrived? Oh, it was fabulous, because obviously they'd gone into the new stadium from Lopes Park. So when I arrived up there and see the stadium, I mean, the pitch wasn't in too good condition at that stage. About a year later, it had fully recovered. But where it was a, a new pitch, the first season they had there, the pitch got quite heavy. But the actual stadium obviously was fantastic. The support was excellent. I mean, at the end of that season, I think it was averaging like 6,000 a week. And something that fans might not realise that I was reading is that you were a member of the Magic Circle and doing some stand-up comedy. But unfortunately, the manager uh, said you had to put a stop to that. Yeah, that, well, I think that was my downfall in the end. <laughs> I can remember going away to um, a game at Dover, and I think it was, it was in my second season then, and I played in pretty much every game up to that point, and we got to Dover away with about the year we won the trophy. It was around about 10 games to go, and got in dress and named the team, and I wasn't in the team um, or even in the squad. And I was back on the coach, sort of like towel between my legs, and Martin came up on the coach come and sat next to me before we left and just said, you know, basically, if you want to play football, you need to give up comedy nights. <laughs> Not the sort of disappearing actor that you wanted. No, exactly right. So I think he made me disappear at the end of the, <laughs> on the back of that. It must have been such a special time to be at the club, though, with, with obviously getting promotion to the Football League and obviously the trophy win as well. Yeah, it was unbelievable and such good friends. We still stay in contact to this day, 25 years later, you know, I had a long-running friendship with like Steve Guppy, Gary Smith, you know, Simon Stapleton, Glenn Creaser, you know, we're always meeting up annually. We had a lot of um, like vet games or charity games that we had at the football club, Ryan. So it was a group that stayed, Dave Carroll, I took him over to Windsor, Keith Scott. So it was a group of players that really stuck together for a long period of time. And obviously in those days, playing such an attacking style of football, which obviously suited your game as well. Yeah, I used to just um, hang around the box. I wasn't um, doing so much, really. But, yeah, surely it certainly suited me. And where I was winning most weeks, there was always opportunities to be had. But it was stiff competition, you know, where Keith Scott, Kim Casey, Mark West, myself, all vying for pretty much one position. Because Keith Scott, being a six-foot-two big man that Martin liked to play up front, it was us little runners that went off with Keith that was always fighting for one place. So you had to be on it each week, otherwise you was losing your spot. And are there any particular uh, games or occasions or, or even goals that really stand out for you? I think well, one, of, one of the things that sticks out for me, I hadn't been there long, because I think when I joined in February, I ended up scoring something like 14 goals in, the, in about 12 matches in that period when I first joined. And then I got an injury and I was out for about four games and came back with a couple of games to go. But in that initial period, I scored a few goals. And being the character I was, I was, I was quite bouncing around and was on the coach to Altrincham. 
And um, Martin just said to me, you know, Dennis, don't get too carried away because you never know when your next goal's coming. And we end up winning 4 nil away, and I scored all four that night. So I obviously gave Martin something back on the coach on the way home. But, yeah, I think that initial period was really good um, when I first, first joined there. It's really nice to hear those sort of behind-the-scenes stories, isn't it? And for fans to know what, what kind of the manager was like to play under as well. Yeah, you know, he, you know, he, he was just excellent. You know, he was always honest with you. You knew where you stood. If you didn't give everything and you didn't perform, you wasn't in the team. But if you was in the team, he was always, you know, good to you, praising you, but t- keeping your feet on the ground. So I think Martin was really good at things like that. And how special was it being at the club at the time when, when they went from the conference, obviously winning the conference and, and being promoted to the Football League as well? Well, it's unbelievable. I think it's still remembered to this day as probably one of the, you know, even though they've been in the Football League ever since we we got up, but it's been recognised as that group we had has been one of the best groups I've had at the football club. That Martin era has always been remembered, you know, and a lot of them players, four, five, six of them players stayed on for a, a number of years after that when you think of um, Cousins and Carroll and Ryan. You know, a lot of players from winning the conference went up a couple of divisions as well. So it was a really special group of players. Great to be at the club for two and a half, three years at that time and thoroughly enjoyed it. And like I say, made some really good friends. A lot of them players had come from lower divisions, um, playing non-league football. And then just seeing young players, like I think Gups was only 19, 20 when he joined. Keith Ryan was only young. A lot of players there were young, just developing their careers, but fulfilled their potential and played a lot of league football. So just just a really special group that was. Um, fond memories, like I say, got firm friends for life from it. And you personally and the team as well got great support from the, from the fans. It had quite big crowds in those days. Yeah, it's incredible. You know, when I first went there, it was probably averaging two and a half, three thousand. But then in that first year when we lost to Colchester, um, level on points but lost on goal difference the crowds at the end we had quite a few games it was full houses at 6,000 and that carried on into the, in the to the following year so the support was incredible I remember we went up to Gateshead and I think we took about 800 up to Gateshead so you know the support was phenomenal for a non-league side I think it was unrivaled at the time the support we was getting obviously as the league, years have gone on there's been some big teams now that have gone to the National Conference and getting big gates when you look at Wrexham, Stockport and teams like that now. But at the time, Wickham was the um, largest supported team around. And especially the trophy final, it felt like the whole town went. Yeah, I can't exactly remember. It was around 38,425, I think. I can't exactly remember. <laughs> but, yeah, it was a, it was an amazing day. That, uh, unfortunately, playing that um, trophy final, like I said, that was the year the, the comedy came about. And, like I said, I played in the semi-final, um, played in all the other rounds. And, like I say, that unfortunate game away at Dover when Martin broke the news to me that I need to stop what I was doing and by then I sort of fell out of favour so I didn't even make the squad but I was there, I was with the team, I was on the pitch and celebrated with them obviously as they was all my teammates and we wanted to win but unfortunately I didn't play on that day. <laughs> it's not funny I suppose but in a way it's quite nice that you, it was, you, your playing was stopped by comedy. Absolutely, yeah. But I mean, you know, you're young and you, you know, you're doing different things. And we was only part time at the time, so you know, it wasn't my my full time living. And the following year, when we went up, we we um, progressed into full time. The part time contracts went to full time, but at that time, we was only part time. So. I think I was 26 or something like that at the time. And, you know, even though I took football seriously, it wasn't my living. I had a, part, a, a job alongside the football. So, 
yeah, I mean, if that's an excuse. But I just enjoyed doing it. Only lasted about three months, and Martin put a stop to it. <laughs> <laughs> Is it was this something you were better sort of tempted to take up again? <laughs> I had to give it up. Everyone kept laughing at me. <laughs> yeah, you don't want that in comedy, do you? No, absolutely. <laughs> so obviously disappointing to be to be leaving the club, but, but what, what sort of happened to you after that? You, you went on to, to do pretty well. Yeah, I mean, at the bottom line is, I think at the end of my contract, or when I was coming to the end, I was then 27. I was offered to stay on, obviously, in a full-time capacity, but I had a job alongside that, and my wages that time was only increasing by £100 a week to go full-time, and I'd have been losing out on the full-time job that I had, so I decided to leave Wickham and go to Dagenham and stay part-time. So I went from League 2, was at the time, to, um, to Dagenham. And since, obviously, you made the transition to, to management. How, how did you find that? Yeah, I've been doing management now for about 20 years. Um, I was playing, finishing up my playing, playing days at Windsor and Eater when I was about 37, and the job uh, job became available, and the chairman asked me to take it over. I never ever thought that I was really going to stay in it, but done quite well at, well at it, and I've been in it ever since in my sins, because... Um, <laughs> Now social media's got involved. I remember back then in the day, even playing at Wickham, you'd just pick up the paper on a on a Thursday and read how you got on in the eyes of everybody else in the newspaper. But now you see it on social media, so there's, there's nowhere to hide anymore with regards to football because you have these trolls and these fans that, you know, if you lose football matches as a manager, it's your fault. And if you win football matches, the players have done well. So you never seem to get too much credit when you're a manager. And really nice as well that you're able to take your former teammates from, from Wickham to Windsor as well. Yeah, I did. I, t- I took Keith Scott, Dave Coe and Jason Cousins. You know, we had a really successful team there. I think when we took them over, we were bottom of the league. Took over from Byron Walton, I think. I think we were bottom of the league. I only had about four points. Managed to survive that year. And then the following year, we got promoted. And then the following year, I think, was around about eighth in the table when I left and went to Maidenhead. And we find you at Grantham now, so you're obviously still enjoying it. Yeah, still enjoying it. You know, football's in your blood. It is very stressful. Um, there's so many complications during a football season. You know, you're dealing with a lot of young players, some of them 18, 19, and it's hard to manage them at times because they're, they're growing lads. They want to go and do other other things. They're only part-time, do you know what I mean? Like, you've got to keep control of them, get them eating right, get them staying in on a Friday night, and they have these temptations. And, you know, it's very difficult to manage at certain levels of non-league football. But yeah, I, I enjoy it. Um, obviously, football is a results-based business, so every job you go into, you never know how long you're going to be here. You're always five defeats away from losing your job. But yeah, it's, it's, it's difficult, but um, I enjoy it, and I'll probably do it until I can't do it anymore, I suppose. <laughs> Have you come across any players who, who are keen to do stand-up comedy and you've had to take them aside and say, look, you, you need to focus on your football? <laughs> yeah, no, if I... If I come across, I haven't yet. But if I come across one, I'll tell them not to bother. <laughs> <laughs> so learn from your mistakes. Absolutely. And really nice as well, obviously, with the ex players association, um, and that you're able to keep in touch with obviously former teammates, but also those from sort of different generations and share what they've gone through as well. Yeah, I've been up a few times. It's, you know, sometimes with me playing, uh, managing football and geographically where I am now, I'm about two and a half hours from the club. It's not always possible, but I generally try and get to the November annual do uh, over there. We, we generally, or over the years, we've had a football match once or twice a year that, that we get to meet up with the players, but we'll go down to London and have dinner and meet up. So 
Yeah, there's always something going on at Wickham. You know, Wickham's a special club. All their ex-players, you know, if I phoned up today and said I want to come football Saturday, they leave you a ticket. They generally introduce you at half-time. So they always look after ex-players. So it's one of them special clubs. It's something that's really, it's hard to describe, isn't it, what's so special about Wickham, but you, you speak to players who've, who've represented the club and it seems to sort of stand out more than other teams they've played for. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, I think I was probably, or our group was one of the lucky ones, because when you're winning something at a football club, you get a special bond with the club and with the players. You know, it's different if you're at a football club and you get relegated, you might only be there as a player for six months because the manager's probably got rid of you, but we're the group that managed to stay together, so we certainly had a special bond. But even 20, 25 years later, the football club in the main has been very successful when you think of the promotions it's had or the near misses over the years. I think, you know, they've been... For the position they're in financially, I think they've done incredibly well. I mean, to, to get up to the championship was just unbelievable. And does it feel really special to have been a part of, as you say, the team that got into the Football League as well? Yeah, of course. And what's nice now is as the kids are growing up, I, just, I used to play for Wickham and like when they're in the Championship and then everyone thinks I was a Championship player, so it looks even better. <laughs> <laughs> no, definitely. And you, you can tell them that you, you had a, a mild stand-up comedy career as well. <laughs> very, very mild. <laughs> Brief, perhaps, is the best way to describe it. Absolutely. <laughs> and how do you look back generally on, on your time at the club, sort of overall? It's just really fond memories. Can't put anything bad about the club. Everybody there from Ivor Beaks to Martin O'Neill, all the backroom staff, the players, everything about that football club was fantastic. And like I say, every time I've been there, they've made me feel welcome. So if any player ever phoned me about Wickham Wanderers or going there, or I would always support it. You know, it's a really special football club. Does it feel like a long time ago that you were there, or, or uh, comparatively recently? Yeah, it don't, you know. I look back sometimes and, like, you see them, they flash things up on Twitter in a game you're involved with and they go, like, 25 years ago, blah, blah, blah. And you think, Christ, 25 years. But, you know, it's like if you still feel healthy, you know, it's only your face looks older. The rest of your time, you still feel like you're 25 half the time. But, yeah, it, it don't seem that long ago. It seems funny, doesn't it, when you look at certain generations, you think, oh, their shorts are very short or, you know, different styles of the time. <laughs> it does feel like a long time ago then, I guess. Yeah, we had that transition at Wickham. When I first joined Wickham, we had the shorts right the way up, and then the following year, these long shorts came in. But I don't think the, the girly supporters liked it so much. I think they preferred the short shorts. But, yeah, at Wickham, I was certainly in that transition from short shorts to long shorts in the space of a season. That's what makes you remember when the shorts changed. <laughs> See, another, another part of history for you there. Absolutely. I could, if somebody told me when the, when the shorts changed from shorts to long, I could tell him it was 1991. <laughs> Here's an example of Dennis Green in short and then long shorts. I've seen the pictures. 1991, it was short shorts. 92, it wasn't. <laughs> Fantastic to speak to you. Thank you so much for your time. My pleasure. Online, on Radio Player, and on 106.6 FM, this is Wickham Sound. Final part of the Wickham Wanderer show. Still to come, we'll hear from manager Gareth Ainsworth as we uh, look back on uh, the uh, two uh, games since we last spoke and look ahead to the trip to uh, Portsmouth on Saturday, which you have news of. Uh, indeed, yes. Uh, if you were planning on going to Portsmouth on Saturday and you haven't got a ticket, well, I'm very sorry, but the tickets have now all sold out. Um, so, uh, yes, if you haven't got a ticket, then you will just have to in- enjoy it from home. 
And continuing our notice board section, uh, we mentioned last week that Wickham Wanderers women had their last game of the season. It was a rearranged fixture, uh, the 13th of March, or Sunday, as it was better known. Uh, they went down 3-2 to the Winchester City Flyers, um, and as you say, that is their last game of the season. However, um, the division does continue because lots of games were postponed because of COVID and the weather and whatever. Um, so in the Southern Region Women's Football League, uh, Wickham Wanderers currently sixth, um, having played all 16 games with 10 points. Uh, just below them are the Winchester City Flyers um, but they've got three games in hand uh, and have nine points then it's Oxford City who have two games in hand six points and Woodley United three games in hand uh, with three points uh, so there's still a chance that Wickham Wanderers women could finish bottom but I don't think that's going to happen no no fingers no, crossed no, for a, a decent finish to the campaign there uh, moving on then to uh, the men's uh, first 11 as people rarely call them <laughs> <laughs> they were playing the league leaders Rotherham uh, last Saturday and uh, as mentioned uh, earlier on in the show I guess a creditable point yes yeah definitely uh, and I think you know before the bad run we would have said oh nil nil against against Rotherham team at the top of the table that's you know that that's perfectly acceptable could have done with the three points of course but we'll take a nil nil draw against them I think Joe Jacobson said in his uh, post-match interview which you can hear on Wanderers TV in full uh, that um, they're two very similar sides yeah yeah definitely and you feel that Rotherham maybe have just um, grasped the bull by the horns at the right time, shall we say? Uh, you know, and just their their form has been fantastic really since Christmas. Um, and yes, you know, it, uh, they look like they're definitely going to go up and very well deserved as well. Some good football played at Adams Park on Saturday, though. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, it was a very good, very entertaining game. Um, and I think you know we we can take credit from the fact that actually we we've now had a couple of clean sheets in a row. Yeah, Joe Jacobson uh, starting the game uh, wasn't planned to, but uh, Jordan Obita was taken ill, uh, so uh, a late replacement. And it's brilliant that we can have somebody like that coming in, and you know, and, and he just gets on with it. Uh, you know, there, there's no fuss with with JJ. Uh, which made it three games unbeaten, and we moved on to Tuesday night the visit of Fleetwood, who, who really were in poor form. They yes, they were. And listening to the uh, to Phil's commentary because I didn't manage to get that because I was still feeling a bit jet lagged. Uh, I, I did feel because Phil kept saying sort of like you know oh, Fleetwood they've been decimated by injuries and whatever, and it was a bit like oh no we're setting this up for being one of those games, um, and it did look like that obviously until what the ninety fourth minute was it that Jason McCarthy then managed to score, and I, I think particularly those of us watching uh, at home on Wanderers TV definitely probably did think that it was going to be disallowed for a foul on the goalkeeper luckily it wasn't I was going to say it really felt like the, the decision <laughs> went our way it really did didn't it but that's fine because I do believe that the luck evens itself out etc etc and you know we've had decisions go against us this season and uh, you know other teams have had decisions you know that haven't been given that, that would have saved us so you know I, I, I'm not being I'm not suggesting that we should have VAR in League One or anything like that but goodness me on Tuesday night thank goodness we didn't uh, let's hear from the goal scorer Jason McCarthy speaking to Phil afterwards we were banging on the door all night we had some really really good play and um, we deserved it um, just happened that I was on the end of that one and I'm very grateful that we got the win and that's the most important thing um, I think the way we've won it as well then at the end is good and anyway. it's going to take us some um, good momentum into the weekend and it's another clean sheet as well so I thought we played brilliant tonight. We really deserved that win. I think if we would have come away with without the three points tonight, we would have been gutted. So, yeah, delighted to get to get the win. Wickham would spurn some some clearer cut chances earlier on in the game. Uh, the pressure cooker of injury time when you really need the three points. Talk us through the goal. How did you remain so calm? Dobbo's, um says like them them ones there that are bouncing. He says keep your head down, 
and pass through the ball. Um, so I remember the ball was bouncing, Dobbo's uh, voice was ringing in my ear. <laughs> so I just thought, you know what, keep your head down, get a solid contact. Yeah, my name. <laughs> really, you had the voice of Richard Dobson at that stage of the game going through your head? <laughs> he says it a lot. So <laughs> when you get them ones in the training ground, yeah, he's been, he said that from the first, my first spell he's been saying on them ones bouncing, keep your head down and, you know, trust your technique and play through the ball. So yeah, I, I had Dobbo. Dobbo's uh, ringing in my ear there, so yeah. <laughs> I mean, I would normally ask about the belief in the squad now, but there's so many late goals at Adams Park. It's yeah. all, it would have been unusual for you for Wickham not to score. Yeah, I know. Yeah, well, we've just got an incredible togetherness. Everyone knows about that and team spirit. And I think when it gets late on in games and we're still in the game, I think we kind of know that inside each of us. I think we kind of play on it and we know it. I think the crowd knows it, and um, yeah, we just we we never give up. That's our attitude here, and if we want to get in them playoffs, we need moments like that. And um, it's it's just carries good momentum, I think, into Saturday. So yeah, bring on Saturday. So first goal for the season, but also a clean sheet as well. Yeah. That's 14 now for the season yeah. for the for the team in League One. Uh, a yeah. perfect night. Yeah, well, you know we we're talking in there to Stocko, and we want to try and get him that number one. I think he's joint top now. So we want to get him that number one um, for clean sheets this year. Um, and, yeah, three out of four, which is really good, really positive. And, you know, one goal conceded in four games. So uh, if we can keep that foundation, that base, I think we're going to give us the best chance now going into the eight, last eight games. So it's brilliant, but we need to keep it going. And um, we need to, we've sort of set our standards with that now. And we can't drop below them. We need to um, keep that solid base um, and... You know, the two in front. It's the whole team. You know, everyone contributes to a clean sheet. It's not just the back four and the goalie. It's the whole team. Um, and, you know, we're all on that clean sheet mentality at the moment. And I think they're showing in our performances. There's not many chances being given away. It's not just like, you know, we're getting a clean sheet and, um, you know, Stocko's under pressure constantly. He made a couple of great saves tonight. But we're sort of trying to restrict the chances against us as much as possible that contributes to a clean sheet. Really nice to hear Jason McCarthy saying that they're actually aiming to help uh, David Stockdale get to the, the clean sheet number one <laughs> yeah, Stocko for Christmas. Will, Stocko will be very pleased for that. Stocko's Christmas number one. <laughs> <laughs> but no, that would be fantastic if, if, you know, to have achieved that. Yeah, of. oh, definitely. Absolutely. Uh, really interesting to hear him talking about uh, having that Richard Dobson's <laughs> voice in, in his head. Um, and... Uh, I think that's one of the big frustrations actually as a fan is when you see those chances that you think oh you know this this looks like a good chance and it balloons not Mm. only over the bar but over the valley terrace you know into the into the woods behind and it's just like oh goodness me you know so really interesting to hear Jason McCarthy talking about you know just just getting that ball keeping it down um, and sure enough he did. And noticeably, there's been a change in the in the style of play, hasn't there? Things have certainly been sort of mixed up a bit. And 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 Gareth, we'll, we'll hear from him in, short, in in a short time. You know, saying that they're being unpredictable to play against. Yeah, and uh, I think that's really good. And I think again, for all of the fans who were a bit questioning uh, during the really bad spell, well, again, that's you know that's why we're lucky to have Gareth as a manager because he doesn't just keep um, sort of like banging on the same door as it were, uh, and does then mix things up. Uh, and you know, it, it's definitely yeah, it is now working. Um, really interesting to see that we've had Alice Mametti playing, mm. um, you know, and then Brandon Hannon being able to come on. Well, he's a fantastic player to, you know, to, to obviously to have on the bench um, and to bring on late on. Uh, so, yeah, I think hopefully 
we're just hitting form at the right sort of time. Uh, clearly, of course, could really, really do with three points um, against Portsmouth. Um, they are currently seven points below us. Yeah, because they the lost table. Tuesday, didn't they? Yep, they did. Um, but clearly, they still will have eyes on the the playoffs, and they will be looking at the the game on Saturday and thinking well, for them. Teams, that's it, definitely really, like, a must Ipswich win. Switch up, I'd say probably. Yeah, yeah. I, you know, uh, I, I think you look at sort of Bolton Wanderers who are now eleven points off um, in eleventh place, and you think mm, you know it might be a bit a bit of a stretch. But I agree. I think Portsmouth, Ipswich, ourselves, Sheffield Wednesday. You know, we're all looking to still get in there. The fact that actually three of the four teams in the playoffs have all got six. 68 points, only MK Dons with, with 73, um, but Oxford United played 38, 68 points, Plymouth played 37, 68, Sunderland played 38, 66. Um, you know, there, there's, it's still all to play for. We want a few of them to drop some points, Sammy, because you can really do, especially reading the classified football results <laughs> yeah. on a Saturday. You, you tend to see, oh, rivals, oh, they keep winning, they keep winning, yes. they keep winning. Yeah. And it's like, oh, or, or that frustrating thing that after like 15 minutes they're 1 0 down, and you think, oh, great, hooray, they're losing, and then they come back and they win 2 1. That's always very annoying. Spoke to manager Gareth Ainsworth this morning, um, getting his thoughts on those last four games. Uh, obviously, unbeaten in four, clean sheets in three, uh, three wins and a draw. I mean, just the, the reaction to. Um, you know the, the mental side of the boys maybe worrying that um, you know feeling the pressure that um, that was coming after the, the four games previous to that you know a couple of defeats in there and, and obviously um, a couple of draws which you know we were the better team by a long way in, in those draws but you just didn't get what we deserved and uh, and so the reaction of the boys just to stay focused stay believing and you know just um just stay, you know, that's, that's it, really staying focused on what we're doing and believing that, you know, after 46 games is when we're going to be judged and not after four games in the middle of January, you know. So that was a, that was a big thing for me and, and I'm, uh, I'm pleased that they've come through it. And, uh, you know, you, you as a manager, you always look at the big picture, you never look at micro pictures, but uh, I'm sure in the world of uh, social media and chat rooms and press uh, criticism that the boys look at, which uh, I, I absolutely don't look at ever. Um, it surely is a tough place for some of them sometimes, but um, it's my job then to make sure that they they stay grounded and they stay believing what we're trying to do. And, uh, and thankfully that um, they've come through that, that period in, you know, in a real good way. And uh, yeah, really proud of them at the moment. Does it feel like some real momentum is, is being built at the moment? And as you say, the players are playing with more confidence now than the previous period. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, uh, real momentum. Yeah, obviously, four games there has been great, and uh, you know, it's, it's just been a, a real sort of great place to be at the moment. And, and we always feel like you know we're going to score goals. We always feel like we're going to we're going to sort of get uh, you know get the better of teams. Uh, we've got some good players on our side, and, and we're, we're sort of unpredictable at the moment the way we're playing, and that's that's been really good. You know. Um, I think we're on the ball. We've been a lot more comfortable, a lot more confident, and and that's just uh, the players. You know, we, we've worked hard on it in training. We've uh, we've got them in a couple of times on on the Tuesday before the game, which I haven't done in recent in recent years. Really, you know, I've got them in and worked on specifics, and those specifics have paid off. So I think it's an all round thing, you know, rather than uh, picking out any any individual. It's uh, it's a real team thing, and again, the the boys who aren't in the squad and the boys who aren't getting on are, are very understanding. They're very patient uh, and and really invested in being part of the team. You saw that with the celebrations at the end there on Tuesday. It was fantastic to see all the subs sprint down and want to get involved because they know they've played their part. And that shows, doesn't it, a real feeling of togetherness and also the great character that you've got throughout the squad. 
yeah, the timing of the goal. I mean, you know, we always believe, honestly, we really do. And, uh, and you know, the um, the match itself, you know, we obviously we had the better chances, and we probably should have scored early on in the game. And uh, uh, but ninety third minute, ninety fourth minute winner, you know, it's always a nice time to score because you know that the game's almost dead then. And uh, um, let's say that the togetherness is never in question here, but. Time after time, we seem to uh, we seem to come up with these late goals and these brilliant celebrations, and uh, yeah, that was a that was a fantastic moment, and uh, I, I think that's a real big result as well because obviously we don't play next weekend, um, and uh, and that's going to be a day where we're going to be frustrated if teams start picking up points around us. So it was important to get those three points on the board. And great to see so many chances being created as well, and and, and shots throughout the the number of games, uh, but also clean sheets at the other end as well. Yeah, the defensive side of the game is just as important as the attacking side. We know that, and uh, and the clean sheets have been awesome lately. You know they, they really have, and uh, we haven't slipped up much this season. We're in three games we conceded um, was it twelve goals or something, or thirteen goals, which was I got twelve. I think it was. It was crazy to to think about, and uh, and after that it was uh, it was back to normal. You know we've done really well this season, and uh, people have obviously still got to understand. Uh, you know, what we're trying to do here and uh, and yeah getting close to the championship is, is fantastic I keep saying it for Wickham Wanderers it's our first season ever really where people have expected a little bit and uh, and that's tough to deal with sometimes but we're, we're dealing well with it and uh, again like I said my job is to keep the pressure off the boys and make sure they're just enjoying their football and you've had a pretty settled side in the, in the last few games as well which also bodes really well for, for the last eight yeah definitely you know we've got um We've got selections, you know, silly card guys, Dominic Gape still around, um, not getting in the squad at the moment. Jordan Abita missed out with illness, you know, and, and so even those three those three names, you know, you, you're looking at thinking, wow, they, they could get in any League One side and in any League One squad. And uh, and so me having to leave those out is a, is a real wrench for me, but it's also a testament of, of how strong the squad is, you know, so... Um, you know, there will be rotations and everyone's going to be needed, everyone's going to be used, I'm sure. But um, just waiting uh, patiently and I'm sure as footballers, you know, when things are going well, it's difficult to change too much. And Portsmouth seem to be a team of real kind of mixed fortunes. You know, one week they're, they're winning by quite a margin and they suffer a heavy defeat. It must be quite strange kind of judging how they'll be when, when you face them on Saturday. Yeah, they're, they're a big side, obviously, one of the biggest clubs in, the, in this division, you know, without a shadow of a doubt. So, um, you know, this is uh, truly us going down to... Uh, Fratton Park, which, uh, you know, we've done often and we've had a decent record down there, but, you know, make, make no bones about this. This they're, they're a big, big side in this league and uh, you only have to you only have to listen to people talk about Portsmouth. They're, they're still amazed that they're still down at this level and uh, and it's, uh, you know, themselves, Sunderland, Sheffield Wednesday, you know, some some huge, huge sides in this league. So, um, yeah, it'd be great for us. And, and again, a great day for the Wickham fans, not far to travel down to Fratton Park and, you uh, an experience what what is a is a big club, but putting Wickham against it is uh, on, on a level at the moment. I'd say is, uh, is is great to be able to see, and uh, and I thought we uh, we had the better of the spoils in the home game. Uh, we missed a penalty, and we had a lot of chances, um, and uh, and we sort of nicked one at the end there. But um, hopefully we can uh, we can turn the tables on that result because uh, it'd be nice to go into the the sort of two week break on the back of a win.
No, definitely. And just finally, just a couple of um, sort of off-the-field things. Thanks again for, for your time on Saturday. It was great that, uh, for you to spend time with the Disabled Supporters Association. I know no it meant, meant so much to them, and they, they were really chuffed to see. And also, um, uh, David Stockdale pledging his support to the uh, Ukrainian collection in, in the town this week. That, 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 again, that really shows how sort of part of the community the club is. Yeah, um, everyone has their own careers and their own uh, finances, and, and, and David's just a fantastic guy and uh, a little bit of a philanthropist when it comes to uh, causes uh, he, he's been absolutely fantastic and he'll do it to represent Wickham not to represent David Stockdale you know and, and that's that's the man he is you know he's a he's a top top guy um, a real rock at the back for us in the goal but brilliant that he's able to uh, to help out with the various causes I remember him doing the, the One Can Trust earlier on in the uh, in the year and the homeless shelters he, he's just been he's just been amazing and uh People probably overlook that side of David, and uh, and they'll see this this uh, goalkeeper, this big guy, and he gets a lot of stick um, from the away fans when he's there. But takes it on the chin. Um, but deep down, cracking guy. Like I say, a real, real big part of the Wickham family, and uh, yeah, really proud of him. And uh, and yeah, so it's a great cause, and uh, and I'm sure more people will follow his lead. And especially with the news being so bleak at the moment, a big thank you to to you and the team as well. A last minute winner on Tuesday, it really gives everyone a lift. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's great. Football does that to people. But again, I think one of our big strengths here is realising that um, there's a, there's some huge important things going on in the world and uh, we're a minor one. If we can put smiles on faces for a few minutes, that's brilliant. Um, but um, as I've always said, football is really important to me, but there's so much more that's uh, that's important and uh, and we've got to We've got to keep those values and, uh, and I'll be making sure that the boys do. Really nice to hear from uh, Gareth on Saturday uh, chatting on Rob's show to the Disabled Supporters Association. Uh, if you haven't heard it, I recommend it if you check out the website, uh, wickhamsound.org.uk. Uh, there's, a, there's a clip on there. Uh, Gareth came out just before the game on Saturday and spoke to uh, the Disabled Supporters Association who were on the show with Rob. And I know that I made a slightly, not really flippant comment, but a comment earlier on about um, the ownership of, of other clubs. But one of the things that it really made me think when I was sitting down with Rob um, in, in his front room um, in Louisiana was just actually, we are very, very, very lucky. Mm. We have owners that clearly absolutely do care 100% for the club. And we have wonderful employees as well. Uh, and the fact that Gareth did that, the fact that David Stockdale was talking about about his fundraising efforts, you know, we we do have a club that David ha- Wheeler did that thing, didn't he? Yeah, with the, indeed. With the yeah, yeah, with the, the the school meals. You know, we we have a lot to be very very proud of. And yes, of course, you know, we're we're not going to win every game. You know, even Manchester City aren't going to win every game. Um, but actually, um, the club that we support. Uh, we can be very, very proud of everything that they do, and we are very, very lucky um, to to have um, the Kuhig family involved in Wickham Wanderers. Because you look at so many other clubs, um, particularly thinking of clubs like like Berry and Macclesfield. And Rob talked a little bit more mm. actually when I was with him about Berry, and just you know j- just said you know, it was it was completely just crazy what the situation that was going on there. And you know, and as soon as he spoke to the person who was owned Barry at the time you know he, he just knew that wasn't for him um, and so yeah we are very very lucky and talking of things to be grateful for uh, two players whose careers at Adams Park will be celebrated in the next coming home games uh, Doncaster Rovers of course uh, a special game uh, for uh, Adebay I can phone of course will be uh, retiring at the end of the season his last the dance. last dance <laughs> And then we're, Matt we're getting there well. now with the last dance on Good Friday as well he's obviously been a fantastic servant Mr Wickham yeah I mean those are going to be very very emotional games aren't they 
No, definitely. But uh, uh, ones to look forward to and to, to really celebrate what, what both have given to the club as well. Yeah, yeah, completely. You know, absolutely wonderful servants. Um, and uh, yeah, you know, they've done more than we could ever re- repay them. So yes, thanks very much to, you know, to, to them both. Um, and definitely, I would imagine that there'll be a lot of people at those games. Uh, one other game that uh, we haven't mentioned. Oh, yes. Um, uh, is that Wickham, of course, are away uh, in the Bucks and Bucks FA Senior Cup semi-final uh, when they go to Ascot United's Racecourse ground, not the one in Wrexham, uh, but the one in Ascot, and it is actually on the racecourse. It's a really interesting place to go to. Uh, tickets are still available. Adults eight pounds, uh, concessions four pounds, under sixteens two pounds. Uh, you can get those tickets uh, by visiting the Ascot United website. That's another notice board section there. It is, yes, yes, sorry. Yeah, that that was, yeah, one that I forgot from earlier on. Uh, do join us next week. We'll be looking back on the Portsmouth, well, win, hopefully. Hopefully, yep, three points. We'll hear more of Rob's Up chat Pompeii, with Bob. As Frankie in, Howard would say. In, um, Louisiana. Hopefully you'll got over your jet lag by then. Oh, uh, yes, hopefully. Yeah, yeah, still not quite sure what the time is. Final words? Uh, is Brief it 7, 7.45? No, no, you see, I don't know what the time is. 